The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages come. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening with us today. I'm so glad that you've joined us. And also thank you for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. It's great to get those likes and to uh, see the things that you post there and letting us know uh, that Spirit of Recovery is touching your heart, opening up your mind, giving you some new ideas about your growth in recovery and your spiritual development there and uh, that you're really enjoying what we're doing here. And I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, your other spiritual communities know about us here on unityonlineradio.org. And uh, it's just great because that lets more people have access to the guests that I bring here and to all the good that happens here on Spirit of Recovery. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community and my guests are always people who are down to earth, who are knowledgeable and innovative. My guests are people who are either in recovery themselves or people who work with or write for uh, or teach or facilitate spiritual growth for people and for people in recovery. And they're always bringing you practical information that you can use <clears throat> and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know, you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live. You can listen via your computer, via your smartphone. You can also go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. And you can also listen on demand. We've got several years worth of great archives. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and you can find lots and lots of great programs that will support you in your spiritual growth. I want you to know also that if you enjoy what you hear on Spirit of Recovery and on many of the other great programs here on Unity Online Radio, you can support this nonprofit radio station uh Financially, if you would like to, simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone and you can make either a one-time or an ongoing contribution. I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member uh, or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, maybe as a family member or friend, you might also be in your own recovery um, as a family member or friend or 
maybe you're just curious about the process of recovery or you're just interested, just want to learn a little more about it or what the spiritual uh, growth process is in, in the midst of recovery, and we're, you're welcome here. I want you to know that everybody's welcome. You're welcome as a listener. You're welcome if you have a comment or question for my guests on the topic of the day. You're welcome to uh, call or email those in. We're just very glad that you're here. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor. Um, I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship uh, many people that have the disease of addiction. And 35 years ago next month, those relationships were a, a powerful catalyst, I believe, from God, as I understand God, that got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And ever since that time, my walk has been an integration of unity and recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing in deeper ways. And uh, I'm just delighted and very grateful to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what your experience in your spirituality and recovery walk. So today, as always, we've got a great program for you. Today we're going to be talking about a really important topic, and that topic is what matters most. And, you know, that's the big question, I think, for everybody, and especially um, for people that walk through the doors of recovery. That's what's really happening, because when... uh, if we're lost in addiction or lost in enabling, uh, we're not very conscious. We're kind of unconscious there. And recovery opens the door to us beginning to discover, to beginning to uncover and develop what it really is that matters most. And I think uh, most of us find out that one way or the other, that that's living fearlessly and authentically, that somehow it's about connecting with our soul and engaging our spirituality from an authentic place from a connection with our full-spectrum self. And uh, my guest today is going to be sharing this with us. Um, he's a person that is uh, on his own spiritual growth journey. He's a unity minister, and he is uh, many other things too, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But he loves to engage with this concept of authentic growth, with authentic living, with what matters most. And I know he's going to have a lot to share with us here um, that will help us all, these us that are in recovery, that are looking at this and looking at our lives um, in new ways. My guest is Rudy England. And, um, again, he loves to engage with this concept, the Jungian, uh, Carl Jung's concepts of the shadow, of wholeness, and of the soul. Rudy is an ordained unity minister. He's also an accomplished writer and speaker. And for many years, he had a blog in which he shared his ideas about authentic spirituality. And Rudy also teaches classes um, on a variety of topics, including spirituality, religion, ethics, and legislation. And he is a guest speaker in Unity Churches um, now. He also has been a business trial attorney, a political campaign manager, political media and campaign strategist, a church minister, and a radio station manager. Currently, Rudy is the chief of staff of State Representative Doug Miller and the director and general counsel for the House Committee on Special Purpose Districts at the Texas House of Representatives. And he teaches contract law in the paralegal certificate program at the University of Texas at the Austin Center for Professional Education. He chairs the State Bar of Texas Public Affairs Committee, and he is the president of the Capital of Texas Rotary Club. So he uh, Rudy is a well-rounded person, and he applies his spiritual principles as he engages in life. You can learn more about Rudy and um, see his blog if you go to About Me, and that's about.me slash Rudy England. So, Rudy, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back. You've been my guest before. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to come back and uh, just uh, share what it is that uh, goes on in my life and uh, hopefully people can learn from it and and uh, you know apply the same principles to grow and become uh, larger themselves right yeah thank you thank you so much and i i know that that will happen um rudy you have are, i think been on a lifelong quest to really find an authentic spirituality and like uh many of us you uh early on in your life were introduced to to spiritual ideas, but probably more 
narrow ones or more rigid ones. And um, also, you've again, in your life, as we see, you've pursued different avenues of growth and learning and engaging in the public arena, engaging in public affairs. So tell us a little bit about your early spiritual journey and what propelled you to want to grow past a narrow understanding of religion or spirituality? Well, if I go all the way back to the beginning, and I actually thought about this before I was coming on the show today, um, you know, a lot of the uh, things that people experience in addiction um, are similar to the kinds of things that we uh, experience when we grow up in, in a what we might call an abusive religious background. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the symptoms of addiction and recovery uh, processes are similar. And I certainly grew up in a very conservative fundamentalist church. Um, I think that uh, while it had its negative impacts on me, it probably has been the greatest driver of my life because it's um, always driven me to try to learn more, to understand more, to uh, to come to grips with whatever the truth is that uh, I- I'm no longer completely comfortable even using that word truth, to be honest. But um, but at least in my growing up years, uh, it was very important to know the truth because to not know the truth or to disobey the truth meant uh, grievous consequences, if not in life, then after death. And uh, that kind of fear can certainly drive one, uh, it certainly drove me, to try to become uh, more aware and to learn more, to understand more, so that I could, uh, at least initially, make sure I wasn't going to hell when I died. Mm-hmm. For sure. When did you start... Um Breaking out of the mold, I guess. So when when you first started thinking, oh, I don't know if this is really it or not. Um, well, you know, I, mine, like everybody else's, was something that evolved. It's not something where things happened uh, immediately, overnight, all of a sudden I changed. Uh, there were events and circumstances and people that I met that changed me along the way i think uh you know it's it's kind of funny looking back on it today to think about what it was that got me out of the religion of my youth and uh and really what it was was uh i really had a problem with this concept of the virgin birth in the bible of course the religion i grew up in it was taken to be a, a literal event that there was this virgin birth well after i got into my 20s and had a couple of kids and uh, a little more education than what I grew up in, I figured out that I really didn't believe that anymore. Um, And I think that that was really, as funny as it sounds, that was probably what spurred me on um, because it it required me to take a stand for something that I, where it was contrary to what I had been taught and to actually say, no, I actually know better than that. And and that was really sort of the genesis of my taking off and, and uh, pursuing a, a different path. Along that way, I wound up with a in a philosophy class in undergraduate school where I had a, a Catholic uh, teacher, professor, who told me one time, he said, Rudy, you know, love, God is love, and if God's not love, then he's not worth worshiping anyway. And uh, for me, for a long time, that definition of God worked. Um, It doesn't so much anymore, to be honest again. Um, But uh, that was sort of, I guess, a next kind of step in my spiritual journey. Eventually, I had a friend uh, who introduced me to Unity Church of Houston, um, and that's where I got involved in Unity, and I guess that was back in the probably the late 80s is when I first attended a, a Unity church, and um, I just remember going into the church, and it seemed like every Sunday when I went in, the minister was talking directly to me. It was almost magical. Uh, it it felt uh, synchronistic, I suppose, is the way I'd describe it today. But every time I was sitting in the in the 
service, it felt like the message for the minister was just for me. Like that, that he had actually sat down and written this talk, and even though I was in a congregation of probably 500 people or more, um, it felt like it was special to me. That And everything about it just got me uh, more involved and more interested in learning more. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember, in, I know this is asking you to reach back a, a long time ago, but do you remember in general any of the themes or the the ideas, the concepts that really struck you at that point that seemed to really strike a new chord? You know, I, I, I can't really say that I remember anything specific as I sit here today. That is, you know, 30 years ago now. Um, and so I would just say it was more the ideas of, of a loving and accepting God, um, one that wasn't so much about judgment, and uh, that recognized that uh, more sort of the goodness and the uh, of each and every person. Um, the one thing that I remember to this very day about that church is the church's mission statement. And uh, I uh, will share something else in a minute about about this. But there's a reason why it, it, it's uh, on my mind today. Um, the mission statement for the Unity Church of Houston was and may still be to teach, love, and inspire people to be all they were created to be. And um, I was asked by some friends of mine, uh, I have a group that comes over to my house once a, uh, every other week, and we talk about spiritual things um, and spiritual growth and that sort of thing. Uh, one of my friends posted an article that talked about writing your biography in six words. And... Uh, so I spent some time thinking about what would my biography be in six words, and I went back to that Unity Church of Houston mission statement and turned it into becoming the next greatest version of me, and that's the way I live my life. I really feel like that is what my life hopefully is an illustration of, and and it doesn't end. It, it doesn't have an ending because it's always ongoing becoming the next greatest version of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's really powerful. It's like, you know, it, one thing that, as you're talking here, Rudy, that's striking me is that one way of looking at this journey and you is, is moving from an external understanding of sort of almost a box of, of rules that you have to follow so that, you know, you won't go to hell or whatever, Beginning to move into a much more internal understanding of of spirituality or God or whatever. How would you see that? I, I would agree with that completely. I, I think that it, it is self-driven. Uh, one of the things I know uh, in your description of our discussion today, you talked about Jungian concepts of shadow and wholeness and soul. Mm-hmm. And, and one of those concepts for me is... Um, this idea of the soul, and I really feel like my soul drives me now. Um, and soul can sound like a really religious term, but it, it, uh, if you go back to the Greek uh, word that soul comes from, it's just psyche. And I've learned, hopefully, how to tap into my psyche in a way to to that that sort of drives what's next for me. What does my soul want to experience next? What does my soul want to learn next? And and it really becomes about that. And, and recognizing that um, it's not about the boxes. It's not about following rules. Sometimes it's about not following rules. And, um, you know, Abraham Maslow talked about Maslow's... We, most people know about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but at the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. To me, that's what um, this is about. What's what life is about is to become self-actualized, and self-actualization is the actualization of your soul, the actualization of your psyche. And when you can tap into that, then you don't need all the rules and everything. Uh, you you start to pursue the path that's right for your for what's right for you. Mm-hmm. 
that certainly is relevant, um, definitely, to people in recovery. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Um, it's time for our first break. And uh, my guest today is Rudy England. And we're talking about what matters most. Rudy England is an ordained unity minister. He's an accomplished writer and speaker. He is a teacher, and he is currently the chief of staff of the state representatives, state representative Doug Miller's special house committee on special purpose districts at the Texas House of Representatives. So stay with us. We'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. And our topic today is what matters most. My guest is Rudy England and he, Rudy is an ordained unity minister. He is also an accomplished writer and speaker and he is the chief of staff um, with the House Committee on Special Purpose Districts at the Texas House of Representatives in Austin. You can learn more about Rudy's work and, uh, and read his blog posts at about.me slash Rudy England, and that's R-U-D-Y England. So before I get back to my conversation with Rudy, where we are talking about that experience of richness, of deep, authentic spirituality that comes from engaging in our own inner wholeness, I invite you to join me for a moment in the Serenity Minute, to join me for a moment of relaxation, of opening up to that presence of God in your life, God as you understand God, your higher power, and um, take a moment to become still. So I invite you to relax, to feel that peaceful presence, and feel that relaxation as it moves all the way through your body temple, 
beginning at the crown of your head and moving all the way through your arms and hands, through the trunk of your body and through your legs. This beautiful body temple, this expression that is you in this earth experience. And I invite you to join me in this constructive idea. I listen within and I hear the deep, wonderful meaning of my life. I listen within and I hear the deep, wonderful meaning of my life. And now we take a few moments in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute and I trust that this was an opportunity for you to become still, to open up to that deep place in you and feel your presence of your higher power and find that meaning in your life. So I thank you for joining me in that. And so now we're back to my conversation with my guest, Rudy England, and we're talking about what matters most. So, Rudy, before the break, um, you were talking with us about the soul and and the psyche and um, about how when we do tune into that, that we start to ha- have an internal guidance system. And that's really relevant, you know, for people in recovery because, like you were talking about in your more rigid religious upbringing, that's such an outer constrictor and, and Addiction is all about being lost out there in the outer, you know, looking for something outside of me to make me feel better, whether it's the addiction of substances, behaviors, or uh, enabling other people. Um, it's it's all about the external. And, and what happens when people walk through this recovery door, and recovery can come in lots of forms. It doesn't have to be, you know, what we traditionally think of as as addiction really in some ways we're all in recovery i guess as people if we choose to grow um but it's it's we have we have to start paying attention to what's going on inside of us and i that's what you're talking about is starting to pay an attention to what's happening within so tell us some more about that how's it work and i know you've got some books uh, by a Jungian uh, analyst james hollis that are very meaningful to you and he talks a lot about this so yeah. Um, well, if if it's okay, I want to back up a little bit first because sure. you know when we start talking about the shadow and and tuning into uh, sort of what it is that moves us and motivates us, I couldn't help but think about uh, the first time I think I ever sort of learned that there was this unconscious piece of me that was moving me sometimes, and. What I recall uh, is it was when I was in ministerial school at Unity Village, and I was uh, asking myself why it is that I procrastinated all the time. Why was it that I would wait until the day before or two days before to start on a paper that I had known about for three months? And, of course, that wasn't the first time I'd ever procrastinated in my life. I was pretty good at procrastinating all along, and uh, I was fortunate enough to make good grades anyway, but um, but. At one point in time, I finally picked up this book by Debbie Ford called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And and that was, I think, probably my first um, sort of exposure to the concept of the shadow and, and, and what the things, what we do as a result of not being conscious of those internal motivators. And, um, and I, I believe then and still believe today that what I learned from that um, book about the reasons for my procrastination was really about my own perfectionism and and really tying it all the way back to the religion of my youth, youth and the fundamentalist belief system and having to be perfect. And, and uh, one of the things that uh, can result from that kind of perfectionism is this 
procrastination because you just don't want to have to deal with having to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that was, I think, probably my first exposure to things uh, dealing with the Jungian concepts and the idea of the shadow. And then it's gone on from there to uh, to a number of other books. Robert Johnson's written a number of books that I've found very helpful um, talking about projection and that sort of thing and how we project our uh, I, our beliefs and our desires and and even our own characteristics onto other people sometimes. Um, it, it really, once you start to tune in to your internal motivational system, there's just so much to learn. And it's and in many ways, it's still even mysterious, even after years of doing it. But, um, of course, I have you to thank for introducing me to James Hollis. And uh, when you told me about James Hollis, the book you recommended to me was one called Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life, How to Finally Really Grow Up is the subtitle of that book. Um, And it's not the first book I read, because I do still have that perfectionism piece a little bit. I went to his last book thinking it would be the best. He's got another book that he wrote since then. It's actually called What Matters Most, which is the title of our program today. Um, And I read What Matters Most before I ever went back and read Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life. I pulled that book back out today because I thought it would be worthwhile to share with people what it is that James Hollis at least thinks is um, what matters most. And, you know, if you're going to go read the book and you don't want to have a spoiler, this is your spoiler alert. I'm going to read just three or four sentences from the end of the book that uh, talk about what he thinks are the most uh, about what matters most. He says, in the end, having a more interesting life, a life that disturbs complacency, a life that pulls us out of the comfortable and thereby demands a larger spiritual engagement than we planned or that feels comfortable, that's what matters most. To have been here, to have wrestled with such things, to have lived such questions, to have kept the mystery before us, to have joyfully accepted being defeated by ever-living, ever-larger things, to have kept one's appointment with destiny, to have taken one's journey through this dark, bitter, luminous, wondrous universe, to have risked being who we really are, is finally what matters most. Wow. Hmm. There's so much in that. There's Uh so much that can be unpacked in that, thinking about being defeated by ever-larger things and to joyfully accept that, to recognize that we don't have control. And, you know, that's what so much of addiction and even, even, you know, conservative religion is about. It's about having control and trying to make ourselves more comfortable with these these illusions really of control and we really don't have control i think it's taken me you know half a century to figure out that i don't have control um and then and then once you don't have control and you know you don't have control then you can really risk being who you really are right that that really is what matters most What's the difference, like, in in terms of your own life or the quality of your life or how you make choices uh, between thinking you have control when you're engaged in that illusion of control and when you realize I don't and I'm living authentically? How's it different? Well, I think as long as you think you're in control then or that you have this illusion of control, then you're always trying to manipulate the external. You're trying to make sure you show up in the right way to make sure things show up the way you want them to, uh, to make sure you don't get uh, something bad doesn't happen to you. Well, sometimes bad things happen to you even when you're in control. And once you've had bad things happen to you enough, you finally figure out, hey, maybe this idea that I have control isn't really true after all. Um, To be defeated by ever larger things, right? That's what he Mm -hmm. said. 
and and I've been defeated plenty of times uh, along the way. Once that illusion is gone, then you uh, you can begin to turn inside if you choose to, and to be motivated by what what it is that you want to do rather than what you want to show up in the external world necessarily. Who do you want to be? Um, there's another chapter in the book where he talks about being, uh, living as verbs and not as nouns, not being something, but but being love, for example, or being compassion, or being justice, um, being grace. Um, those are the kinds of things that come from inside rather than something outside of us. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that idea of being joyful about being defeated by ever greater things is uh, so contradictory to the general idea, the general cultural trend. So, how does that work? How, how do you... <laughs> um, well... You know, you have to take risks if you're going to grow. Um, and if you're going to be, uh, take it back to what I, I said, you know, before the break about that uh, my biography, right, my six-word biography, becoming the next greatest version of me. Well, to become the next greatest version of me almost always means I'm pushing edges. I'm almost always stepping outside of boxes, almost always putting myself at risk. I, I don't. I don't. I don't advocate um, stepping way outside the box all the time and sticking yourself, making yourself vulnerable in ways that that aren't good for you. There's uh, there's no, you know, if you're a martyr, you're a, that that means you're dead. So I'm not advocating that. Um, I, I think um, you know you have to be smart about how you do that, but. But again, you're living from inside, from from your internal motivators. It doesn't mean you disregard the judgments and the opinions and 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 the boxes that the outside world wants to place on you. It's just that you're careful about it, uh, and you don't you recognize the boxes for being boxes that aren't really real. They're somebody else's conscious thoughts. They're somebody else's rules, um, and. Sometimes it's dangerous to break those rules, and sometimes it's really not. Um, some, so you just have to be – and there's no surefire way, at least I haven't found the, the surefire way, for making sure that I don't step too far outside the box. As I said, sometimes I do, and that's where it comes to that, being joyfully defeated by ever greater, uh, ever greater things. Um, I think we can – there's that old saying that uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of that saying, although I, I see the wisdom in it. I also uh, – my counter to that is some things actually do kill you. So, so you know, um, I've gone through extended periods of my life where I felt defeated for literally years, um, and it took a long time to come back. Those are not – fun things to go through. Um, But if you're going to go down this path, and once you wake up, by the way, I don't know how much choice you have about going down the path. I think you, you just, it kind of impels you once you're in that, in that mindset. Um, But kind of lost my train of thought. I just think we, uh, we become impelled by these internal drives, and we don't worry so much about what everybody else thinks or what the rules are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a little bit earlier in the program, Rudy, you were talking about the soul and the psyche, and and you made reference to your soul being this that impels you. Tell us some more about your understanding of the soul and the psyche and how that's all Related? How's that part of this? Um, can I go back to my first to the previous before before you ask that question? I sure. want to go back to uh, to what I was talking about uh, because I I think that when you're in tune with your soul and when you are internally motivated, 
you do care about the rest of the world. You do care about the external results. You you, you want to achieve a, a particular result some, uh, oftentimes. Um, so even though you, you may feel like you need to break the rules or disregard the boxes in order to achieve that result, you, you're still... Um, you still care about other people. You care about the effect of what you do on on other people and on other circumstances. Um, so it's it's not uh, as though you completely disregard uh, outer appearances, outer rules, uh, just for the sake of breaking the rules. I just want mm-hmm. to say that. Sure. Um, when it, when it comes to the soul and the psyche, at least in my understanding. Um. One of the things that was very meaningful to me, and I think I shared this with you when I was reading Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life, that James Hollis book, um, is his explanation that the soul just means the psyche. Well, to me, that sort of uh, soul has all these religious sort of mysterious connotations to it. A lot of people in, in religion talk about the uh, the eternal soul and your soul going to heaven or your soul going to hell or uh, or, or maybe it's uh, for some people it's reincarnation um, I don't know what happens when you die and I don't really worry about that for me the soul is about what moves me it's back about to what I was talking about uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and self-actualization it's becoming the best the next greatest version of me, whatever that happens to be. And I don't know what that's going to be a year from now because I'm not there yet. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be motivated to do uh, a year from now. All I know is what I want to do right now, and I start down that path, and I see where that leads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... What are some of the good things that have happened in your life? Or maybe maybe they haven't been pleasant. I'll, I, anyway, <laughs> what are some of the things that have happened in your life from doing that, from, from listening within and making those choices? Um, you know, it's, it's really, um, I could tell you some horrific stories, um, but, but I would say, you know, the ones... <laughs> Where what makes it worthwhile to me to pursue this path is that I get to discover more of who I am every day. Um, and being there is nothing in the world that feels as good as being true to yourself. Um, you know, when you're not true to yourself, when you do something that's not really in integrity, that's not in uh, authentic to you. You you feel that you have emotional reactions to every time you sell yourself short, every time you sell yourself out, every time you you know follow the rules even though you didn't want to. Um, those have emotional and psychological consequences. Sometimes it might mean you fall back into being asleep again, even um, if you if you take make those choices over and over again. There's just there's just nothing like being in integrity, nothing like being true to yourself. That is, in my view, again, what we're here for. That's what matters most. Being true to yourself. That's to be yourself. Is is you know the the purpose. Um, there's a Unity minister, Jim Rosemurgy, who had a book one time, a very small book called uh, The Prayer. God is praying. And the point he was making in that book is that you're the prayer God is praying. We are, so far as we know in, in, in our world, and there's reason to suspect this is, might not be true, but so far as we know, we are the highest evolved creatures uh, that exist. We are the prayer God is praying. What we want, what we can evolve into and become becomes sort of the the ultimate uh, of what's possible. That's what, it, for me at least, I'm here for, to experience that and to be that, to be the example for other people and help them do the same thing if that's what they choose to do. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how do you bring this into your work? And you're in public affairs, and and you really have been a lot of your career in in a, in a variety of ways. Um, as a lawyer, now um, as you work as the chief of staff in in the state legislature, how do you bring this into working with people in that public affairs arena? Um, th- that's actually kind of complicated, uh, to 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 be honest. Um, I will let me. Uh, um, I'm thinking about something else right now. I'm thinking about this sure. book, Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life, again. Okay. And I just want to share something because it has to do with the previous question again. Right. I think I've shared with you that this book, Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life by James Hollis, is my Bible now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I mean that literally. It is my Bible. Um, like other people go read the Bible to figure out what it is they want to do, what motivates them, that sort of thing, um, or why they're where they are or who they are. I, I do that with this book, Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life, because what it tells, what it did for me is it uh, explained, uh, you know, when you're walking this path, you always are up against questions. Did I do the right thing? Was that the right thing to do? Should I have done something different? Well, what I got out of reading this book is that if you walk the path that I've chosen to walk, this spiritual path, this is what happens to you. All of these good things, bad things, all across the board things, um, you, we're not in control, and bad things do happen sometimes. And that doesn't mean you made a bad choice. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Uh, it's just part of growing and becoming more. And so um, after reading that book, what it, it – it freed me in a way uh, by saying, no, you didn't make mistakes. You are on the right path. Just keep walking that path. Only now I can even be more free because I'm not even boxed in by all those questioning thoughts and and uh, things I'd been taught in the past that while I maybe had disregarded them, I was they were still there sort of as little shadows, little niggling voices. They're not there anymore. The book freed me up to be completely open to who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, to take that into your question of how do I how does that show up in my work and and all the other things that I do all of those things that I do are just manifestations of me becoming more and more of who I am. Um, I try to bring my own values to those different, uh, whether it's my job as a teacher or my job as a state uh, representative's chief of staff or my you know, vocation or uh, hobbies or other uh, extracurricular activities like being a and the president of the Rotary Club, um, whatever it happens to be, it's all about bringing me to those experiences. Um, There's another sort of interesting little book, um, I Am Mr. Book. Uh, Everybody who knows me knows that about me. Um, There's another interesting book um, called Stop the Crap. (laughs) And in in Stop the Crap, the, the author carries you through an exercise that leads you to what are your three most important values? What are the three things that that matter more to you than anything else? And after you go through this exercise, you start off with about 10 of whether it's love or compassion or peace or joy. Pick out your... 10 or 12 characteristics that are the things that matter to you. And then she takes you through an exercise that ultimately brings it down to just three. Um, My three are compassion and um, I would say uh, understanding knowledge, which is something like wisdom, Mm -hmm. um, and justice. So compassion, justice, 
and understanding knowledge. Those are my three. Mm-hmm. I try to bring those three things to all of my experiences, to all of my jobs, to all of the things that I do, whether, uh, again, across the board, whether it's my work, my relationships, um, my small group study, those those are the things that drive me. And to tie it back into her title of the book, uh, when you can when you can bring the three things that matter most, you can stop the crap. You don't have to do all these other things. Start bringing the three that matter the most, and bring those to your life. Be those in the in in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know what the thread that I'm. Uh, hearing and, and you really said this earlier is is that it really is about being and it has to do uh, with being and values and uh, values that really come from within rather than trying to make things happen on the outside right right mm-hmm. yes it's, it's about you being who you are in in whatever experiences uh you show up in, and whatever happens, happens. It, it might turn out good and it might turn out bad, but if you're true to yourself, then you're going to be happy on the inside, um, and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, I suspect, a lot of uh, listeners who are involved in the uh, in the unity movement, and the, the thing that... Um, occurred to me as as we were talking too is this white stone ceremony that so many unity churches do uh once a year and and i bring that white stone ceremony to our rotary club here at the capitol we've done it five years in a row now that we do it at the beginning of every new year um my white stone this year looks very different than it ever has before and it has to do but it has to do with this idea of being true to yourself my Whitestone name for 2016 is Choose. Mm-hmm. And what that does for me, I've got that Whitestone with the word Choose written in red sitting on my table in my den, and it reminds me every day to choose to be true to myself. What do I really want now? What do I really want to bring? I, I, I'm... I'm 56, almost 57 years old, I've started to figure out a lot uh, about what the consequences are of the choices that I make. And so uh, that little reminder is sort of my reminder to always be true to myself, to make the choice that's going to lead to the result that I want as best I can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Where... Do- how does spirituality weave in with this, or, or how would you frame spirituality? That's a very interesting question, and one that I play with sometimes. Um, I, I, you know, there are a lot of things that we don't understand, um, in spite of the fact that, uh, you know, what I'm doing these days sounds very sort of scientific slash psychological. My understanding of uh, psychology, I think, and I'm not, uh, ed, I'm not, I don't have a bachelor's degree or anything else in psychology, so you'd take that for what this for what it's worth. But uh, I'm not really sure I see a big difference between uh, psychology and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, th- they, to me, are, are very much sort of the same thing. Uh, when you talk about me motivated by the psyche, um, uh, and when you recognize that that word psyche is the same thing as soul, um, nobody would ask probably, you know, how do you associate spirituality with soul? So we're really talking about the same thing, just using different language. Um that to me is one of the other things I feel like I've learned through the years is is that many times we're really saying the same thing. We just use different languages. And um, I think that this is just one of the – an example of, of that very thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, one thing that that strikes me about about this talking about the psychology and spirituality is that when when you ground spirituality in experience in in the deepest sense, then you, it's what you're talking about because it's not a quote spirituality that's about external rules, which is often really disembodied. Um, but it and it's. It, but it's about what's what's within me that's that can come through me that ha, that is a, that has values that's about being, and so it's a shift in the locus of control. That's a psychological term, for lack of better terms. But it's a shift in the locus of control, really. I think in an appropriate way, from some kind of an external something out there that people might call God or whatever that's manipulating the universe in into no. Kind of what you were saying earlier about Jim Rosemurgy's book. No, I'm the prayer God's praying. We're all the prayer God's praying. So God is, is embodied in us, through us, and as us. And it, it's a, a different uh, understanding. I think a more productive, uh, that's my value system, a more productive understanding of of spirituality. The really right. lets us be alive. Yes, yeah, exactly. And and the, the, one of the things that I've learned, too, is I've learned uh, one of the th- through doing my blog, by the way, I had many people who read my blog who weren't really spiritual, uh, spiritual per se. Some of them were atheists. I feel like I've learned how to write and to talk about things in a way that can appeal to and be palatable to even people who consider themselves to be atheists. Um, I, I now sort of consider God language to be just a different language like the difference between spanish and english it's just a different language um we all have common human experiences it's how do we talk about them and how do we talk about them in a way that communicates those ideas the best way that the person we're talking to can understand them well that makes a lot of sense well our time is up but rudy thank you so much thanks for living your life and thank you for doing this work and and doing your own exploration and study and making these connections and sharing them with people and um thank you for being my guest today you've given us a lot to chew on well i appreciate it and thank you for letting me come on and and talk about it i'd love to hear from people and like to learn from other people too so uh, if anybody wants to chat sometimes i'm always available they can go to my web page as you said and by the way an easier way to get there is just rudyengland.com okay great rudyengland.com and it's r-u-d-y england.com so thanks again for being my guest it was great and thank you all for listening and i hope I know you got a lot from this and a lot to think about and many blessings to each of you and we'll be back next week on spirit of recovery Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, it's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. 
Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Reverend Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Go. Hi, I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.